0: Praise the Lord. That was a powerful time of worship. Thank you, worship team, uh, for leading us in a time of song and praise. Um, I know that there's still some people coming in. Feel free to grab a seat. And uh, it's really exciting to see our front rows filling up, too. I just, yeah, amen. Thank you, guys. Amen. There's still a seat next to Jimmy right here, you know what I'm saying? So, hey, if you need to grab it, grab it. Uh, We're in Ephesians chapter 5. If you have a Bible, and I hope you do, uh, turn with me to the book of Ephesians. We've been walking verse by verse through this jam-packed, powerful, glorious book uh, for, for, for a couple years now. And we're, we're here in Ephesians chapter 5. That's where we've landed. And we're in a series that we've titled Imitate. Everybody say imitate. 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 That's not just a, a clever or a catchy word, imitate, but it's a, it's a biblical word. And it's a word that we discovered in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Let's look at this verse together as it's going to lead us into our time today. Uh, The Apostle Paul writes to the church that he planted in the city of Ephesus. That's where we get the church Ephesians. And he writes to them and says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, because God loves us so much to the point that he would invite us into his family. Let me say that again. There's no amens there. Because God loves us so much to the point that he would adopt us into his family, he says, therefore, imitate him. We're imitating a good God. We're imitating a good father who who really does love us deeply. The word imitate by definition means to take something or someone as a model and to begin following it. Another definition for the word imitate just means to be like something. If you're imitating something or someone, you're just saying, I'm going to be like that person. I'm going to do what they do. I'm going to say what they say. We're learning how to be imitators. So I'm going to go ahead and read a chunk of scripture right now. We're going to go ahead and read verses 3 through 7 as we jump into the next portion of this book. And This is is the general frame of thought. We'll see how far we get to, amen, Uh, as an expositor of God's word, which means we're just going verse by verse, but even deeper than that, we're going word by word because we want to make sure like it's a wet rag, we're wringing out all the truth that we can get from this letter here. So here's what Paul writes to the church. He says, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you. As is proper among saints, let there be no filthiness nor foolish talk nor crude joking which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you while church with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes on the son's Of disobedience therefore do not become partners with them and this is a big chunk of scripture and we're tackling it one verse and one word at a time and there's a lot going on here in the text and 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 I want to just be be clear here because I know for some of you your first time here at Walk Church for some it's your first time opening up the Bible and for some of you you've been a part of this Ephesians series since we started it but in the book of Ephesians it's a six-chapter book the first three chapters are primarily about theology, doctrine, and our identity in Christ. So it's all about who we are positionally, vertically. I'm a child of God. I'm a son of God. If you're a daughter of God, you have been saved, set free. You are already seated in the heavenly spiritual places. It's who you are. Receive it. That's your identity. The last three chapters are now how do we practically live out our identity? So positionally, we're there. Practically, we're not, right? We're like, I know that's who I am, but when I walk outside, it's tough, right? And so, so the last three chapters of Ephesians get into more of the ethical aspects of the scriptures and the, the practical side of now, what do we do with who we are as loved sons and daughters filled with the presence of God? How, how do we live. This is instruction in those areas. So, so you came, and last week I mentioned this as well, number one, you came to hear from the mailman. Uh, I, last week I pulled out my mailman hat just to remind you, right, I didn't write this book. I'm just faithfully delivering it, all right? This, the, the, the author is the author of the mail. I'm delivering the mail to you. So in your issues that you have with the content of the mail, you can certainly talk to the author about it. In fact, the author of the mail would love to hear from you. He would love for you to write a letter back to him and give it to him in prayer and say, God, help me. God loves those types of prayers. And they're all throughout the Bible, by the way. The greatest men and women of God prayed help me prayers. That's, don't be ashamed of that prayer. I love De, uh, uh, Peter's prayer when he was sinking. So if you're a place in your place and you just feel like you're sinking right now, um, when Peter was sinking, he said, Jesus, save me. And it said immediately Jesus lifted him up. So Right. Let's just go ahead and use that for a second. If you're in a place right now where you just feel like you're sinking emotionally, sinking physically, you're just sinking, you can pray a prayer like Peter prayed, Jesus, save me, help me, lift me up, and immediately he'll do it. He'll do it. That's who our God is. So we're, here we are. We're in these scriptures. We're, we're jumping into verse 4, and we're in a, a, a sub-series within the series uh, with this title that we used last week called Imitation by Elimination imitation by elimination. So this is the second week where we look at this phrase, imitation by elimination, or a reality statement that we used is this. The more we imitate God, the more we eliminate sin, right? The more that we imitate God, in other words, the more that we are striving to become more and more like God, every day we're getting a little closer to becoming more like him, the more that we're eliminating sin. The word eliminate just means to get rid of, or as one definition put it, the word eliminate means that there's no more competition. I'm a basketball guy. I love March because I love March Madness, right? And I love to watch the, um, the, the 64. I love to watch what happens in the tournament. And what happens? There's teams that get eliminated, which means that they can no longer compete. In other words, when you're eliminating sin in your life, it means it no longer is competing with Jesus. Jesus is saying, I'm, I'm winning I'm I'm leading, I'm taking you through here, and you're eliminating things in the background. Uh, Last week, we talked about eliminating sexual sin, sexual immorality. We talked about eliminating covetousness. We talked about eliminating anything that's impure at all. Uh, This week, I I want us to to dive deeper into the subject of our speech. Let me give you a new defining reality. Simply put, here, here it is. The more we walk like God, the more we talk like God. Come on, say it with me. Say it with me. Ready? One, two, three. The more we walk like God, the more we talk like God. In other words, God is saying, hey, walk like me and talk like me. God is saying, hey, you're a beloved child of God. Do what I do and say what I say. Watch me. Follow me. And God is a good one to imitate. Right? As children of God, he's saying, watch me. Walk like me talk like me. And we see that in the text today. So Ephesians chapter 5 verse 4 is where we're going to be spending majority of our time. And if we can get to verse 5, we'll go ahead and get there as well. Uh, Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. Father, I pray in Jesus' name right now that you would Uh, Take your word, place it into our hearts, and do some heart surgery. Hebrews 4 says that your word is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing through bone and marrow straight to the heart, discerning the intentions of the heart. So I pray that your word, uh, God, would, would penetrate our hearts, wake us up, help us to be more like you. In Jesus name. Amen. 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 Here's where we're at today in Ephesians 5 4. So he starts off and he says, let there be no filthiness. Let there be no filthiness. I had to just pause there and say, okay, what, what is the author intending when he says this word? The original Greek word is iskrates, which means no obscenities or no dishonoring language. Or no baseness, which could mean foul or offensive or disgusting. Some synonyms for this word filthiness would be indecent, improper, offensive, hurtful, or lacking moral principles. When we begin this journey of saying, okay, God, I'm going to make it a priority and practice to daily imitate you. God says, well, it's going to be a big deal when it comes to what you say. I don't know about you, but I've met some people before that from the outside, they have a very godly lifestyle. What they do is very godly. They got sexual sin, nope. Impurity, nope. Coveting, nope. But then when they open their mouth, you're like, hmm, something is just off. And I think that's why the Apostle Paul is saying, you can't just imitate God in your lifestyle, you've got to imitate God with your speech. This word filthiness, I had a, a picture of what I thought that meant before I actually read the original meaning of this text. I like, for example, the New Living Translation says, obscene stories should be something that we eliminate. That when we look at our lives and we say, okay, I'm, I'm on this journey of eliminating things. I'm cutting stuff off because I'm imitating God and he's making his life real through me. Jesus begins to live his life through you. So sin is being eliminated. He says one thing that Jesus didn't do, he didn't tell obscene stories. It's just not something he did. Now, was Jesus a storyteller? The best. I mean, just go ahead and read the parables. What are parables? They're stories. That, that produce a meaning. Jesus is the greatest storyteller of all time. My favorite story inside the Bible is Luke 15, the story of the prodigal sons. That's a story that Jesus shared. Jesus loved sharing stories, but he didn't share obscene stories. What does the word obscene mean? Uh, the word obscene, y'all can tell I, I'm not the smartest dude in the room, so I just, I just go to the dictionary, all right? I go to multiple dictionaries to figure out what's going on here. You can do that too. The word obscene, the first word that came up was repulsive. Well, yet again, I didn't know what that meant too much either. So I thought, let me go ahead and look up the word repulsive. I wanted to make sure I knew that I knew, right? The word repulsive, by definition, means to repel by being discourteous or cold. So again, I thought I knew what that meant, put away filthy language. But now I'm getting a clearer picture as to what he meant there. He said, put away being discourteous with your language, discourteous with your storytelling, cold in your speech, disrespectful, hurtful, harmful, things like that. Does that make sense? I think you could probably categorize that and put put slander under there. You could put malice under there. You could put rude statements under there. When you see those things, you could put cuss words under there. Because when you do that, Right when you put those under there, that's what God means when He says filthiness. The word filth is an interesting word. I don't really like that word filth. It just, it just feels filthy. <laughs> um, sorry. Sometimes you get some of that here at Walk Church. Uh, the, the The word filth just just means dirty. That's just the definition for filth. Something that is dirty, and so. God is saying, as I clean up your life, let's not just let your speech be still dirty, right? To to put away obscenities. I like how Ephesians 4, 29 says it. So if you just, if you rewound about a few weeks, you would be reminded of these verses Pastor Ryan actually preached on them. He said, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful. That's interesting right there let everybody say everything. Let everything you say be good and helpful. Man, if we could do that. I think we'd go far. Let everything that we say be good and helpful so so that, so that, so that, your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. I just think a lot of people need encouragement. God must have known that people need to be encouraged. Like people that you don't even know need a word of encouragement. So let's make sure the church reminds you. This is written to the church, to the church in Ephesus. And so Paul's saying, hey, church, family, listen, your words matter. So make sure that everything you say, you say, well, man, that's that's pretty detailed. Oh, yeah, God is detailed. If you're going to imitate him, he's going to make sure you do it right. (laughs) Or else you're going to represent him poorly. You're going to represent a false god. And that's why a lot of people today don't believe in Jesus, because they don't see the church imitating him. Right? That, that, that even was true of a Gandhi in India. He said, man, I love Jesus. I just don't like the people that imitate him. In other words, his church, which is a false statement. You can't like Jesus and not like his church. That's like saying, I like Dean. I just don't like his wife. That won't fly, right? And is like, mm-hmm, right? Like... Don't even try it, right? Don't, oh, hi, and I love you. I'm not really crazy about your wife, right? I'm like, hmm, you must not really love me then because we're one. Jesus and his church are one. So just know when you criticize the church, you're criticizing yourself. You're part of the church. Unless you're not, and then you need to get saved and join the church, the body of Christ, right? We don't believe in a decapitated Jesus. He has a body called the church, amen. We don't believe in a single Jesus, uh, Jesus doesn't have a girlfriend he doesn't have a mistress <laughs> he has a wife called the church amen. the church is beautiful Jesus is coming back for his church be a part of the church amen oh. amen yes. amen be a part of the church all right where was I that was that wasn't in here but let's keep going <laughs> put away a, a filthy language obscene stories uh, James Montgomery Boyce he says an obscene person has no regards for standards uh, an obscene person has no respect for commands. An obscene person is disrespectful with their words and their actions. It's, uh, basically, he's saying, a person says, I don't care. I'll just say what I like to say. I just say it anyway. I make people feel weird. I hurt people. I've, it's just, they just got to deal with it. It's just me. No, no, no. The Lord's going to get, He's going to put his finger on that and say, not anymore. That might have been you. But on the journey of imitating me, or the journey of denying yourself and letting Jesus live through you, he'll start eliminating obscene speech. All right, let's continue working through this text. He goes on to say it like this, uh, let there be no filthiness, uh, nor foolish talk, nor foolish talk. And and one of the reasons why I just took my time on this verse, because I wanted to make sure I knew the difference between each of these, right? Uh, Because he moved from filthy here to foolish. Now, the Greek word for this phrase foolish talk was really interesting. Uh, It's really morologia. Morologia. Right? And here's what's so interesting. Commentators said that the Apostle Paul took the Greek word for moron and words and put them together. Morologia. So morologos. The word logos is the word in Greek. So he said, and, and stop having moron talk is what he said. <laughs> what does that mean? Foolish moron talk. Proverbs chapter 15 verse 2 spoke about this hundreds of years before this verse. It says, the tongue of the wise makes knowledge attractive. That's if you're wise. But the mouth of fools blurts out foolishness. And we got to assess ourselves this morning. We're we're assessing this morning. We're examining this morning. Does my speech look more attractive when it comes to knowledge? Or is it more attractive when it comes to foolishness? And a bunch of foolish people want to follow foolish speaking. And so I think it's important for us to ask ourselves these questions Do I have a lot of moron talk? (laughs) That's biblical. I don't know exactly what that means, but maybe you, like, like for you, I know what it means for me, but for you, I think that you can ask yourself, am I wasting a lot of my words? Foolish meaning they just fade away with the wind, they didn't really matter. Ephesians 4 says, make sure that all your words are helpful because your words matter. Someone once had this terribly deceptive phrase. I don't know if you remember it, let's see if you can finish it for me. Sticks and stones can break my bones, but what a lie. Who made that up and lied to you? The devil made that one up. Sticks and stones will break my bones. Most people that quote that are people that have been hurt by words. It's their mask. Not only can words hurt you, words will kill you. Words have the power of life and death. I just read that in the Bible yesterday, right? Let's look at it together. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. The scripture says, come on, read it with me. One, two, three. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Batter good fruit. If you love to speak, if you love to talk, guess what? You're going to eat its fruit. It's either going to be good fruit or it's going to be rotten fruit. Depends on how you're speaking, the tongue has the power. Wow. Who knew that our tongues were so powerful? There's a reason why Paul, he, he jumps right into this on this journey of imitating God. We're eliminating foolish talk because, man, the tongue has power. Like you could raise somebody to life with your words or you can take away their life with your words. I think that the church should be categorized as life givers with our words. That we should be people that share good news, starting with the gospel. Like we should be okay with sharing with people. Man, you know what? I actually had this happen. I hope that if this person is here, I'm glad you're here. I had this happen just this week. I was at I was at Dutch Bros, the coffee shop. Sorry for my Starbucks and other people. You're like, that's too, that's the fake stuff. That's the sweet stuff. I just I just went through the line. And they were making, they were making my drink, and I was at the window, and the lady just said, hey, so what, uh, what do you do for a living? I was like, are oh, you messed up right now? We're about to you asked the wrong person the wrong question. I was like, oh, man, my wife and I, we just started this church here in the city, and God is moving at this church. How about you? She's like, well, I'm working. I'm doing this. And she goes, you know, they're still making the why She said, why, why did why'd you guys start a church? And I just said, you know, I got about 30 seconds right here to answer this. And I said, you know what? When I was in college, I didn't know Jesus. I grew up in Las Vegas. When I was in college, somebody introduced me to Jesus. And I was broken, sinful. I was struggling with all types of different mess. I, I needed to be saved. I needed to be rescued. I needed to be whole. I needed purpose for my life. I needed to, I needed to be saved. And Jesus did that for me. And we came back and we started, we, we. other people may need that. You may need that. She's like, here's your drink. <laughs> I was like, man, whoo. Like, whoa. And so I gave, I gave the uh, girl an invite. But I mean, and she's like, wow, like, that was deep. You know, put it in the pocket. Like, they were like, yo, you good? She's like, I don't know. Your, your words have, I, hey, what were you doing today? Eh, I was just listening to sports radio. You know, not not much. All right. Anything else? Nah, not really. What about you? Eh, just making drinks. All right. I mean, like, we're called to put away foolish talk. We got something to praise God about, we got something to talk about. We have a Jesus who needs to be communicated. Has God done anything good in your life at all? Talk about it. Talk about it. Come on, testify that message. That's your testimony. Right? Has God healed you, delivered you of anything? Has he woke you up again? Has he rescued you? Somebody needs to hear that. And I look across our church right now, and I see people that said, you know what? Like my brother right here said, I'm bringing my friend this week. Man, because we got something to share. That's right. Because our words matter. We don't, I don't just want to talk about foolish stuff. That's all going to burn up. I want to talk about things that matter. I want to talk about the word of God right that we have a chance to talk about things that matter not, not 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 foolish talk ecclesiastes 10 verse 12 says the words of a wise man's mouth are gracious but the lips of a fool consume him right as we as we get into this pattern of talking foolish talk it'll start consuming us like don't let your words consume you 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 can consume your words and you can choose which ones to use Go ahead and take every thought captive and every word captive. And I'm, I'm preaching this message as someone who has failed in this area a lot. As a husband, as a dad, as a son, as a brother, as a pastor, this is an area of growth in my life and I hope in your life as well. I mean, have you ever said something you wish you could have just been like, ah, oh, put that back? Can I just put that back? And sometimes you can't, but that's why we have to be people of grace, forgiveness, repentance, and eliminating. Because if you can say something you can say, man, I shouldn't have said that, then you can get better. Not get bitter, but you can say, you know what? I'm not going to say that again. I'm going to get better. Eliminating moron talk. Foolish, foolish talk. He goes on to say it like this. "Let, Let no filthiness nor foolish talk nor crude joking how about that nor crude joking or some of your bibles say nor coarse joking right that there's there's something about that that jesus says it's not like me now was jesus a jokester i think he was i think jesus was pro laughter pro humor i think that he made jokes all the time but were they crude no no because we're called to imitate him. The Bible is pro-laughter, but we need to be careful when it comes to joking. For example, Proverbs chapter um, 26, verse 18 and 19, say it like this. Like a maniac shooting flaming arrows of death. Wow, just picture that. A maniac shooting flaming arrows of death. (laughs) is one who deceives their neighbor and says, I was only joking. How many of y'all do that? I, I, I've been known to do that. I'm just joking. i just, this is just a joke. Well, on this journey of imitating God, he's going to say, hey, yeah, you're shooting flaming arrows. You weren't just joking. You were hurting. Right? You were hurting. Sometimes people will even tell you when they're about to do it they will be like, yo, I'm um, uh, not trying to be rude, but <laughs> insert rude statement now. <laughs> like, hey, if I, if I can really be honest, you know, like, hmm, you weren't like five seconds ago? <laughs> right? Like, I don't mean to be offensive, but I'm about to offend you. <laughs> I was just joking. I was just joking. We need to be careful about these things. Now, I I know that we we tiptoe the line here of like being legalistic, right? Or just like, yeah, I mean, every geez, just just every little thing you're just everything I do is wrong. Like, well, just I'm not the author of the mail. I'm the mailman. We're reading the same Bibles. If this isn't in your Bible, get a new one. You're not reading the Bible. It's facts gets you a Bible that has the real words in it. God is a God who speaks. He's passionate about speaking. In the beginning was the Word of God. We need to take hold of our words. Amen? Our words have power. He says we got to eliminate crude joking, crude humor, facetiousness in a bad sense, crude joking. Proverbs 17 says that A joyful heart is good medicine. We should have laughter. The joy of the Lord is our strength. We should have opportunities to laugh and joke. But at the same time, when the jokes are out of place or ungodly or sexually immoral, that those jokes will become poison and contaminate our hearts. And listen, contaminate the people around you. I mean, I've actually fallen into this before. Where I just, I'm having a good day. I'm like checking off my boxes, if you would, for my Ephesians 5. Like I'm imitating God. I'm eliminating sin. I'm not looking for it. I'm just trying to walk in my lane and I'll be around some people and someone will say a crude joke. And all of a sudden, something in my mind or heart might raise up and say, contribute. (laughs) You got something to bring. Like, oh, I got one too. (laughs) All right, God, let me share one of my stories or one of my jokes. And then someone else says, oh, I once heard this, right? What just happened? The devil was like, I'm here, right? I'm just going to jump into this conversation. And that's why we're called to eliminate these things. It doesn't mean that God is trying to kill your joy. He's trying to increase your joy. He's trying to increase your joy by making your speech more holy. Amen? That's what God is trying to do in us by helping eliminate these things. James Montgomery Boyce, he says in his commentary again, he says, the concern here is not with intelligence. It's with thinking that it is somehow funny or sophisticated to tear down anything that is high or praiseworthy or ennobling. It is what television does. Television pretends to be funny, but it is destructive of those values that hold a society together And suppress its worst elements and again let me go ahead and clarify I'm not against television I just think that we should have more God vision than television amen that we should allow the Word of God to shape our thinking more than a series on Netflix I'm just I know I might be exposing something for somebody Uh, But if you have a five-minute appetite for God's word and a five-hour appetite for a show, something's off. You may uh, be—someone wanted to clap with me. Because what you're doing is you're imitating more of what the world does, and you're eliminating more of what God does. Some of us have it backwards. We eliminate church and eliminate Bible study and eliminate reading, eliminate prayer. we imitate more of the world. We just need to flip that. We need to get back with God, get some God vision. right? Nothing against television, but man, I sometimes watch stuff that I used to watch and it's just not the same. because I'm, I'm imitating something different, something new. His name's Jesus. Amen. Let's keep, work, let's keep working through this text here. There's a little bit more to walk through. He says, uh, "Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place." That's something that's neat that the apostle says. He says these things really—they uh, don't fit. It's just not a good fit. Like I really hope. Now, this is this—you might leave this church. You know, I, I get it. But I hope that one day we'd have a culture here at Walk Church. Somebody may just pop off a crude joke and then just feel like that didn't fit. That just didn't work. It worked somewhere else, but it didn't work here. Not that somebody pulled out a hammer and like bopped you with it, you know, with the Bible. But you just sensed in the atmosphere. We're not going to amen that. We're not going to praise that. Probably might not even laugh with that right that that it just doesn't fit it 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 doesn't have a place my wife did an amazing job of making some cinnamon rolls yesterday praise the lord thank you jesus and and she said hey can you put the rest of those away and so i did my best to find a little tupperware and i placed them all in there and i tried to put the cover on and it just didn't fit right so i was like squishing it i was messing up the icing it was just it was, a, it was a dad fail, husband fail, right? Um, and, and I just kind of made a little bit of a mess, and I just tried to, like, jam it in there. It just didn't fit, right? And I think that that's kind of what we do when we walk in filthiness, foolish talk, crude joking. When we, when we imitate these things, it just gets dirty. It just doesn't feel right. It just doesn't, doesn't close right. It doesn't fit right. And we need to make sure that we're eliminating those things, Amen. So as we get ready to close here, let me go ahead and shift our focus. So what should we do? Because some of y'all are like, man, I can't talk about anything now. <laughs> that was my whole vocabulary. <laughs> if it's not filthy, then it's foolish. If it's not foolish, then it's crude. And I don't know how to say what's right. Apostle, like, n- nothing that you struggle with is anything worse than what the Ephesians struggled with. If anything, theirs was worse. The culture that the Ephesians lived in, that's why Paul is being very detailed and specific, choosing these words. He's making up words. Morologia, he's like, stop being morons with your speech. Ephesians are like, I know what he's talking about, right? Here's what you should replace it with, okay? So, So take out, eliminate, remove those things. Instead, instead, everybody say instead, Instead, let there be thanksgiving. Hmm, the memories of thanksgiving. Just start. Come on, right? Thanksgiving is a good thing. He's saying instead, if you don't got anything else to say, just start giving thanks. You know what people love? People love to get thanked. You know what God loves? When we acknowledge him and say, God, thank you. You know what? I didn't wake myself up. You must have woke me up. I didn't even just tell my heart to beat. You must have told it to beat. I'm not even breathing my own air. This is God's air, right? We're borrowing God's air. I think God loves for us to be thankful. The ESV Study Bible writes on this topic. Thanksgiving is contrast to crude joking and foolish talk. It's the positive way to speak. And it also counteracts covetousness, which we talked about in verse 3. Covetous says, I need more. Covetous says, I'm not going to be thankful. I'm going to be ungrateful. Thanksgiving says, man, I want to count my blessings. The way to avoid coveting others' possessions is to concentrate with thanks. Come on, this is good, right? Upon the good things the Lord has given. But it's going to take intentionality to concentrate upon what God has given, not what God hasn't given, that giving thanks should be part of our stories. It should be part of our journey. Klein Snodgrass wrote an excellent commentary on the book of Ephesians. He says on this verse, thanksgiving is an antidote for sin. Come on, somebody write that down. Some of y'all are struggling with sin. Replace the temptation for sin with Being thankful to God. Just start thanking God, all of a sudden the sin was like, now I'm out of place. I can't compete. I got eliminated by thankfulness. Amen. Amen. Pray. Amen, Pharaohs. Yeah, I need that. Thanksgiving is an antidote for sin. For it is difficult. And then he put in brackets, impossible. To both give thanks and sin at the same time. Can't, you can't give thanks to God and at the same time be living in unrepentant sin that we need to take these words to heart. I'm going to get ready to close with just a couple of uh, verses from the book of Psalms. Uh, Psalms uh, chapter 118, 111, 108, 138. I just picked four because I knew that I would be running out of time. That's the only reason why. Um, because there's, there might be hundreds of verses like this. The psalmist David, who, who found himself saying the wrong t- things often, David struggled with a lot of these things. Here's what he says in Psalm 118, verse 28. He says, You are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God. I love the, the, the personal touch of this first one. Like David says, Look, everybody else might not believe, but you are my God. You are my God. Right? You got to get to a place, church, where you're able to say, You are my God. Amen? Like go to God in prayer and say, God, you are my God. I'm going to give you thanks. And then guess what? Do it again. You are my God and I will extol you. The word extol just means to give glory, to give praise, to exalt. Psalm 111, verse 1 says, Praise the Lord. Come on, practice it with me. Ready? Praise the Lord. My man Peter's got it. Praise the Lord with an exclamation point. David says, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I'm opening up my whole heart to thank God in the company of the upright in the congregation. Amen? Amen. Hey, listen, I get it. Some of you don't understand why certain people raise their hands in church. And... And partially it's because you don't know what that person's been through. This person said, well, when I come to church, I'm giving thanks with my whole heart. He goes, I'll be even in the company of the upright, I'm still giving thanks. I'll be in the congregation, I'm still giving thanks. I'm still praising the Lord. I think that you should give it a try. It may look like lifting your hands, it may not look like lifting your hands. But maybe just give this a try, giving thanks with your whole heart. Like, don't just give God thanks with half your heart. Thank God for the burden, the the brokenness. Thank God for the struggle. Thank God for the scars, because it's in the scars that you saw him as healer. Right? It's it's in the brokenness that you looked up. It's when you sinned that you got to receive forgiveness. Right? It's, it's when you went through a fight, an argument, that you were able to call upon God, thank him for all the things going on in your heart, and ask him to eliminate things in your heart that don't need to be there. I'll praise you in the congregation. Psalm 108 verse 3 says, I will give thanks. He says, I will. Not I might, not, not if everything works out, not if I get a promotion, not if I get a raise, not if I b- make it to the first parking fight, he goes, I'm going to do it anyway. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. David says, drop me in Africa. I'm going to praise God. Drop me in India. I'm going to praise God. Drop me in Las Vegas. I'm going to praise God. I'm going to give him thanks because when I give him thanks, everything else just fades. Things can't last in the presence of God when you have a thankful heart. You'll start eliminating through praise. Psalm 138 verse 1 says, "I will give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart before the gods I sing your praise." I found that to be very interesting. You know, he says he says, "Before the gods I sing your praise." There's no other gods, right? There's only one true God. We were just singing, "There's no one like our God. Who can stop the Lord?" No one. There's only one God. So what does David mean when he says, before the gods, I sing your praise? You know what he means? He starts identifying the idols that our hearts start coveting. And he says, I'm gonna go up to that idol. I'm gonna start praising God. I'm gonna go up to the idols that I used to worship. The things that used to pull me down, the things that I used to imitate, no longer are there. I'm gonna start thanking God in the presence of the idols that's what a new creation looks like where they're like yo i this crazy what god has done in my life i'm about to start praising god in the middle of that mystery in the presence of my enemies in the presence of other gods which are not even real i became a better basketball player when i stopped playing for myself and started thanking god in the middle of a game Not just when we won, but when we were down, right? Like, I I needed God in those moments just as much, amen? That if we can grasp a thankful heart, we'll start putting away sexual sin because we're thankful for what God has done. We can have a thankful heart, we'll start putting away covetousness because we'll start making a list like, God, I got so much to be thankful for, I can't even remember what I wanted again. I'm just thankful for what I do, God, (laughs) have. My grammar, folks. Let me get ready to close. Um, I'm stepping down. Every time I take a step, I get closer to the finish. I just want to quote this last verse, final verse. Luke chapter 6, uh, verse 45. Luke 6, verse 45 says it like this. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person, out of his evil treasure, produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Here's the challenge I want you to do this week. Listen to me, Walk Church. And if you're watching this online, I want you to to listen to your speech. Listen to what you talk about. Listen to who you talk about. And that's going to be an x-ray vision, what's in your heart. You can try to deny it, but this is what Jesus told us. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The definition for abundance, it's really simple. The word abundance means a very large quantity, overflowing fullness. So if all you talk about is yourself, that's what's in your heart. If all you talk about is other people in a negative way, you're just showing people what's in your heart. If all you talk about is sex and impurity because that's what's in your heart. All you talk about is rap and sports because that's all that's in your heart. And what God is trying to say is I'm trying to eliminate so I can have room to be the king of your heart. Because when Jesus is the king of your heart, you'll talk about him. You'll talk about him and that's what our city needs. Our city needs more people talking about him. Not in an obscene way, not in a hurtful way, but in a good way, in an attractive way. And yeah, I need, I need Him. Whatever you just described, I need Him. Amen. Let's pray.